0: And welcome, this is Here We Stand. I'm your regular host, Kevin Annett, Eagle's strong voice. This is the voice of the republic and resistance. The world turned upside down, or as I like to say, the world set right side up. The three axioms of nature, the world was given to all people to share equally, not one hoarding it while the others starve. No one has authority over anyone else, and we're to share the world in peace and harmony with creation and each other. Those three axioms have always been at war with the forces we see in the world now of war and oppression and tyranny and the police state. And in fact, folks, there is two powers in the world today in a huge global civil war. The corporatocracy on the one hand and the free sovereign people on the other. The line is being drawn and this program exists to rally those who are on the side of the people and of history and the republic. We're here every Sunday, 3 p.m. Pacific 6 p.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time, BBS Radio Network, MurderByDecree.com, RepublicOfKanata.org. Well, today, May 15th, we have a special show for you because it highlights really two very breaking items in the news. Now, of course, we talked a bit about the the first one last week, the formation of a new republic alliance, a federation of activists from... 10 different nations now, along with three indigenous nations in Canada. We are forming a federation of people working to establish sovereign law republics across borders. At the founding convention, July 1st to 4th, we will be setting up not only that framework for a federation of free republics, we'll be signing treaties with each other, mutual defense treaties. We'll be uniting to disestablish the COVID measures and the global corporate police state and the powers behind them. We'll be enforcing the standing arrest warrants against the heads of big pharma, the corporatocracy, church, state, and big money that historically have been wiping out our people. We will be also uniting in a common law court of justice to enforce these rulings. And that's all happening July 1st and 4th. Now, many of you have been writing in saying, well, what do we do if we don't have republics in our area? You form one. We have a whole template about how you go about doing that. Write to Republic National Council at protonmail.com. July 1st to 4th, there will be delegates so far from the following nations: Canada, America, England, France, Italy, Holland, Germany, Sweden, New Zealand, and Australia, and the three indigenous nations from Canada: the Chilcotin, the Squamish, and the Anishnabek people. Now that movement is. Dovetailing with another item in the news, which you may or may not have heard about, Jorge Bergoglio, a.k.a. Pope Francis, has announced that he's coming to Canada between July fourth to 30th. Interestingly, the same month that we are forming the Republic Alliance. And he is going to do his usual song and dance about issuing a, quote, apology for their latest genocide, one of the many in the history of the Vatican against indigenous people here on Turtle Island, so-called North America. And he has announced, or the Vatican press office has announced, that he's going to three very strange places. Edmonton, Alberta, Quebec City, and Igualat, which is the capital of Nunavut, the, the Inuit people on Baffin Island. Now, of course, there are no death camps, a.k.a. residential schools, anywhere near those places, but he's going there. Now, it's interesting. I need you all to take out a map for a moment uh go on Google maps and find a map of Western Canada, go to the city of Edmonton where he's supposed to be coming first, coming to Edmonton, Alberta in early in that week of July 24th, draw a line West. And what do you get from Edmonton? You get highway 16. It's called the, um, um, well, highway 16 known as the highway of tears. And It goes directly through the areas where not only Native people have been disappearing en masse for years, but China has a source of its economic power and its takeover in British Columbia right along that strip um, of Highway 16 where all the liquid natural gas sites are located, where all of the horrible crimes have been going on. You can draw a line directly west along Highway 16 from Edmonton, and it goes not only through that area, but it ends up in Prince Rupert. Which is the superport now owned de facto by China. It has extraterritorial power to operate under Chinese law in that area, thanks to Justin Trudeau, another convicted war criminal. And Trudeau is working actively to set up a Chinese fiefdom in that part of British Columbia. Well, it doesn't take a big stretch to know that that's one of the reasons Pope Francis Jorge Bogolio is going there, since so much of the Vatican money these days is heading to Beijing. They are leaping. Uh, from the western camp into the eastern. And we have more confirmation of that because yesterday we received a notice from one of our sources that the Knights of Columbus in British Columbia, this is the basically paramilitary group within the Roman Catholic Church, they were the ones who used to try to shut down our occupations of Catholic churches um, when we're highlighting and confronting the genocide in residential schools. The Knights of Columbus in B.C. have all been notified to stand by during July, to monitor any protests against Catholic churches and to provide extra security protection for an unstated member of the Vatican hierarchy. Well, in other words, that's more confirmation that, yes, Bergoglio is heading along that route. He will be meeting the Chinese in Prince Rupert. So that's very interesting, and we're going to be following that. We actually are starting a whole campaign in Canada to unite people in what's called the Stop the Pope Coalition, where you're uniting indigenous and non-indigenous people to enforce the arrest warrant. January 15th, as part of the International Common Court trial against Big Pharma and the corporatocracy for the COVID tyranny, Jorge Begoglio was found guilty, along with others, of conspiring to commit crimes against humanity, of committing medical genocide, the killing of children in Catholic orphanages and schools from his direct order, allowing Big Pharma to use them in drug testing experiments. He's implicated in the death of those children. There's a standing arrest warrant out for him. The Chilcotin Nation and Central British Columbia have declared that he is banned from their territories and if he shows up, he will be arrested. Now, there will be Republic of Canada sheriffs and others from the Republic of Alliance Coalition showing up in Canada during that time to aiding the arrest of Jorge Bogolio. Now, this week, if you look at republicofcanada.org under breaking news, we will have posted the arrest warrant against Bergoglio. Now, under common law, anyone can use that warrant to detain him. We plan to have hundreds of people there armed with arrest warrants, greater than his security, to shut down that man and arrest him for crimes against humanity and incarcerate him, as is our responsibility under international law. We're telling the police in that area to back off, or they'll be aiding and abetting a convicted war criminal. So all of that's coming up. And it's all very much related. Now, today what we want to do is provide background. Sun Tzu says in the art of War, you have to know your enemy, you have to know yourself, or you're going to lose every battle. So we have to know our enemy. At the midpoint break, I'm going to play a fairly humorous uh, and ironic lecture I was to give at Oxford University. I was invited there in 2016 to debate a cleric of the Catholic Church on the uh, hilarious topic, is there any good in the Roman Catholic Church? Well, we know the answer to that, uh, but I go into detail in that lecture about the nature of the Vatican, what exactly it is, and after that, that midpoint break where we listen to that, we'll be going into more detail of the background of the nature of the Vatican, how it's really behind not only crimes against humanity, but the whole present global corporatocracy. Uh, the papacy is the main organizer and financier of the corporatocracy. It's links with China and big pharma. And so we're going to be going into detail of that to arm all of you for the actions in July. We're going to, we have 10 weeks before that event where Bergoglio is intending on showing up. And frankly, we think that uh, before then, when all the heat uh, is coming down on him and he sees what kind of opposition is mounting on those territories, he'll so probably like he's done in the past, chicken out. Uh, the Catholic bishops themselves in Canada have been telling him not to come because they're worried about his arrest. Uh, They know that this is a reality on the ground that people will be out to enforce that lawful warrant and arrest him. Um, And so, by the way, the sentence against him is lifelong imprisonment without the possibility of parole and forfeiting all his assets and authority. So you know what that does to the Church of Rome at that point, just like what it did to so-called Queen Elizabeth. There is no more lawful authority in those institutions. So this has revolutionary implications, folks. Um, and you can follow all of this. Now, in the next few minutes, before we get into that lecture I gave at, o- or was to give at Oxford University, um, I want to also highlight the fact that this, uh, the, these two powers in the world I'm talking about, it's really, we see it every day. We see the struggle between common law, which allows us to govern ourselves. It says people have the right to govern themselves inherently. And then Roman law, which says, no, you only have the rights given to you by a authority figure, whether that's a king, a pope, a parliament, whoever. Uh, and, and that reality is that people have to choose sides now. There's no middle ground anymore. That's what's going on more and more. Now, I highlight this. I want to recommend three of my books for you to read. Go on Amazon uh, or MurderByDecree.com to see these books. The first one that I'm going to be quoting in the latter half of the show is called Dethroning a Rogue Power. Why the Vatican must be denied membership and presence at the UN and in the world community it goes into detail of of the nature of the of the beast. Second book is Memoirs of a Revolutionary, where I go into the last fifty years of world political economy and how the corporate bureaucracy grew up naturally out of monopoly capitalism and what was behind it. The Vatican um, pioneering along with Nazi Germany and Mussolini of the first corporatist state, neo-fascist corporatist state, which we now see everywhere in the world. And the third one, of course, the third book is Establishing Liberty, the Case for Canada, And to remind folks of you who are citizens of the Republic, one of the things required when you take up citizenship, two things. When you sign a card, you have to go to an orientation class so you know what you're joining. So you're briefed uh, on the, the vision, the policies, the, the constitution of the Republic, all of which you can find at republicofcanada.org. Just look under Documents of the Republic. You'll see the Constitution right there. But the second thing you have to do as a citizen is actively build the Republic. We're not uh, asking people to become passive paper citizens. When you govern yourself, it requires courage and responsibility. uh, Because the system is always saying to you, and you've been raised to think and act like a slave, that is, let other people act for you. And it's ironic because the two things people always ask whenever they contact us, there's two things right away. 90% of people say, are we allowed to do this and tell me what to do? Are we allowed to do it and now tell me what to do next? That's slave thinking. And it takes a long time sometimes, sometimes shorter, depending on what's happening to us. But it takes a time for us to break from slave thinking. And so we're saying to people when they take out citizenship, You have a responsibility to recruit others, to come regularly to meetings, to build up the republic in your community. And through creating alternative institutions, homeschooling, food cooperatives, reclaiming the land and the resources and the assets of the now disestablished crown and Canadian jurisdiction. Now, that program is happening everywhere in all of the countries, the nine other countries who are signing up with the Republic Alliance. They're all following the same steps of decentralized grassroots, building republic among the people first. And so that's important to keep in mind. Responsibility, not just rights. And I really urge all of you to go to that site, republicofkanata.org and study it more. Now, um, the ironic, well, fittingly, the the title of today's show, uh, Whacking a Pope and Sacking a System. Don't forget, the people ultimately are just figureheads. We are disestablishing the system that creates these figureheads. And that's always the important thing to keep in mind. And it's not something we do by ourselves. We don't individually sign a piece of paper to get out of the system because, no, the system will never let you out. You establish a republic assembly of 12 or more people, a chartered assembly which can then pass laws. Under international law and every legal system, once you do that, you're a governing entity. And I have proof of that. Every time I show my citizenship of Canada card to a cop, they never intervene. They back off because they know I'm in another jurisdiction. And it's all about jurisdiction, folks. If you don't have a different jurisdiction to operate under, you're under de facto, under their authority, and you have nothing to do in that situation. You're, you individually are up against the state. Well, that's suicide. You join another jurisdiction first. You take up citizenship in these republics, and then 12 or more of you can start passing and enforcing your own laws. That's the basis of everything we're doing to build up the republic. All right, so now we're going to listen to that famous lecture that's now all over the world. In fact, more people have listened to it than would have heard it at Oxford University. And after that, we'll come back with more. Good evening, I'm Kevin Annett. And tonight I'm going to give you a lecture that I was to present to the Oxford Union, which is the oldest debating society in the world. In April 2016, I was invited to come there in Oxford University in England, and debate a cleric of the Catholic Church over the issue. Uh, funnily enough, the topic was, is there any good in the Roman Catholic Church? Well, as so often happens on these occasions, the invitation to me was unexplainably withdrawn about two weeks before the event, and the debate between me and him never happened. So I thought it would be good to post online for the world to see exactly what I was going to say that night. Good evening. Good evening. Let me begin by saying what a pleasant surprise it is to be able to join you all here tonight. The last time I tried to give a public talk in England, at a London rally to protest child trafficking by church and state, your privately run UK border agency saw fit to arrest, fingerprint, jail me, and then finally deport me from your country without giving a reason at all. So be that as it may, and it usually is, I especially want to thank you for having me here tonight, having the courage to have me here tonight. Tonight's topic for debate is framed rather tellingly. Is there any good in the Roman Catholic Church? And assumingly, by that is meant its holding company, the Vatican Incorporated. Well, the very wording of the subject is interesting because it implies that, no, there isn't any good at all. Let's search for some. Of course, trying to locate integrity in a corporation is like looking for love in a brothel. So perhaps the question of tonight's debate's already been answered. My job's done, we can all go home. In any event, the title of the main event tonight is a bit confusing, beginning with the term good, which is, after all, a completely relative and morally ambiguous term. The Spanish conquistadors and their slaughter-blessing Catholic priests thought that they were doing good when they wiped out millions of non-Catholic people for their own good. The Vatican's inquisition that barbecued and tortured to death Christians who disagreed with Rome was officially entitled an auto de fe, which means act of faith. Even the present so-called liberal Pope Francis, Jorge Bergoglio, speaks of the goodness and zeal of the Franciscan missionaries who worked to death thousands of aboriginal men, women, and children on Catholic slave plantations in California. Well, some things never change. Bergoglio also recently pardoned some 10,000 of his own child-raping priests, no doubt in the same spirit of doing good at least good for his own institution human beings especially when go on and justified by religion always adorn their crimes in a halo of goodness i've had personal experience of what i speak about for over 20 years in canada i've lived and worked and documented the alongside these folks who have lived through the story the reality of genocide in canada perpetrated mostly by Catholic-run Indian residential schools, where over 60,000 children died. Half of these children never came back, because at the hands of the priests and nuns, they were ritually tortured, routinely starved, trafficked, experimented upon, flogged, gang-raped, and killed en masse with smallpox and tuberculosis. Not one Catholic priest has ever gone to trial for any of these crimes, nor will they. These killers are above the law as it stands now, And having had the misfortune of speaking with enough of these scum, I know that these complicit clergy are still convinced that they were only trying to do good to the little brown savages by killing their bodies to save their souls, to quote their buddy Thomas Aquinas, one of the founding theologians of the Catholic Church. So perhaps what we need to do is redefine the term good in a better way, using this simple definition. To do good means to do no harm to others and to let them be themselves. Of course, under that definition, you immediately disqualify and condemn the Roman Catholic Church, which has killed more people than any institution in human history. The Church of Rome's body count is well over 50 million corpses, ever since it was made a legal corporation by the Emperor Constantine in the year 317. All right, all right, that may all be true, sputtered the defenders of Rome. So nobody's perfect. But look at all the charitable works the Church does all the time. Isn't that good? Well, in that sense, perhaps tonight's topic for debate should have been entitled instead, Was There Any Good in Pablo Escobar, the head of the criminal syndicate known as the Medellin Drug Cartel? Because Pablo engaged in lots of charitable good works for the poor folks of Colombia, just like the Roman Catholic Church, of which he was a dues-paying member. Pablo used his ill-gotten loot to build shelters for the homeless, playgrounds for some slum kids, and soup kitchens for the hungry. Of course, that charitable money was covered in blood and paid for by the early deaths from drug addiction of the very same people he was helping, but still, he was doing some good, wasn't he? Now, my analogy between Pablo Escobar and the Vatican is more than fitting, since not only are the members of the same club, but also the Vatican Bank is heavily invested in the international drug cartels, as well as the arms and human trafficking industries that go along with it. GMO companies, Big Pharma, the biggest small arms company in the world, Beretta Limited, even dozens of online internet porn companies, all of these 100% Vatican investments pay for the goodies doled out to those deserving poor people who kiss the claw that feeds them. But let's take on directly the suggestion that the Roman Catholic Church as the world's richest and least accountable corporation plays a major role in providing charitable sustenance to the world's needy. Let's ask, what percentage of the Church's annual revenue actually goes towards charitable works? Well, it's an important question, not only for the debate tonight, but because the only legal basis for the Church to be exempt from paying taxes under the Law of Nations is that they must devote all, not some, but all of their collected revenue for either the advancement of religion or charitable works. Well, right there, you cannot go to the Roman Catholic Church unless someone wants to explain what money laundering for the mafia, buying cruise missiles for third world dictators, or issuing routine bribes to politicians and governments all over the world have to do with either religion or charity. What percentage of the Catholic Church's revenue goes towards charity? Actually, less than 1%, at least in America. For, tellingly, that's the only country in the world where the Church consistently publishes any of its financial records. After all, the Vatican is a closed, self-governing, totally unaccountable body, like any secret criminal society. But that inconvenient, lingering notion of a separation of Church and State, found in the American Constitution, requires that even the Catholic Church has to create an appearance of transparency. And so, according to the U.S. government, in the year 2013, the Roman Catholic Church in America had a net revenue of $13.4 billion. And that's just in one country, where only about 15% of the world's Catholics live. By projection, the annual income of the Vatican must be in the hundreds of billions of dollars, not just from all those collection plates, from those saps, from its, but also from its massive global investment portfolio and its secret financial concordat agreements with over 100 governments, that channel a regular percentage of your tax money into the Vatican Bank and all of its criminal behavior. But coming back to America, the one country where a light is shone on the murky underworld of Vatican finances, according to the same self-audit of the Catholic Church, of the $13.4 billion raked in during 2013, only 1.1% of it went to charity. But since half of that amount came from government grants to Catholic aid societies, in reality a whopping 0.6% of the income went from the bank accounts into charities. But since those charities are mostly owned and operated by the church itself, it just means that one hand of the octopus is feeding the other. Quite brilliant, don't you think? One half of 1%, friends. The truth is that the Roman Catholic Church is not a force for charitable works. Just look at the books. It's in fact a huge criminal racket a money-sucking corporation that kept afloat by every taxpayer in the world. Okay, so let's turn to the other basis for the church not paying a dime of taxes, the advancement of religion. What percentage of its time and money goes towards advancing its particular, and I might say extremely violent, religious creed? Less than 10%. That's the time each week a priest spends conducting prayers, masses, or catechism classes, according to the church itself according to a statement from the Vatican's Governing College of Cardinals, who in 2014 issued an internal report concerning the training and ordination of its priests. The main job of the clergy, according to the cardinals, is the material and social upkeep of the church, guarding the building, the safeguard of its traditions and operations, and the expansion of its income and membership. Like in any big corporation. Somebody, somewhere, tell me where God, let alone Jesus Christ, enters into that whole mess. Okay, strike two. In case you didn't know, that's a baseball term. I don't play cricket. The third and final strike against the Roman Catholic Church, and you've got to watch out that for that term because the word Catholic means universal, which it does not. The final strike against the Catholic Church lies in its real and not imagined nature. Once its enormous pretense and lie is pulled back and we see it for what it is historically and today. But to do so and to pierce the mental fog surrounding the Vatican Incorporated, we have to realize that the papacy is not a Christian church at all. On the contrary, it is in every respect a cult of emperor worship derived from late 3rd century Rome, not from the historic Jesus, not even from the early Christian church. This fact is crucial if we are to deal with the mental confusion of many people, atheists included, who ponder helplessly But how can a body that preaches about the love of Jesus cause mass murder, genocide, and institutionalized child rape? Of course, the simple answer to that is that it's always the worst child rapist in town who has the most sterling reputation. The latter is needed as a cloak by any crook. The bigger the felony, the sweeter the coating. Talk, my friends, is easy, especially from a pulpit. But let's not forget what Jesus himself warned. Quote, Many false prophets will come in my name and say, I am the Christ, but do not be fooled. By their works, you shall know them. Bingo. By their works, you shall know them. Well, we can see the works of the papacy all too well. Conquest, brutality, just wars, genocide, inquisition, and the crushing of the human spirit. And it all began when the Roman emperors Aurelian and Constantine created the Roman Catholic Church on the murdered bones of the early Christian Church. The church was an extension and continuation of that other big killing machine called the Roman Empire. Proof of this, you don't have to look any further than the Pope's official title, which is Pontifex Maximus, which in Latin means the great bridge. Between guess where? Heaven and earth. That was the Latin title of the emperors of Rome, starting with Aurelian in the year 275, who also assumed the title Deus et Dominus, means God and Master, One man who's become God. Well, first that was the emperor, but now today to a Catholic, it's the Pope. Christ is no longer the link to God, but a man is. Elected and elevated blasphemously over humanity, even over God, by other old men in funny hats. Well, not surprisingly, every newly elected Pope is also given the title Vicari Christi, which is even more blatant. In Latin, it means the replacement of Christ, the one who replaces Christ. In black and white, it's right there. Catholicism, papism, is the replacement of Christianity, an empire of conquest and wealth relying on the means of the world and not the way of Christ. Just look at the body count. And listen to these admissions of guilt right from the horse's mouth, or I should say ass, Statements from various popes down the centuries that have never been contradicted or repudiated by any of their successors. Pope Boniface in 1302. We declare it is necessary for every human creature to be subject to the Roman pontiff. Pope Leo in 1520. The Pope is Christ himself on earth. Pope Pius in 1929. Fascism is simply the doctrines of our faith made the law and government. Pope John in 1962. No man may enter into Christ unless he be led there by the sovereign pontiff. Pope John Paul II in, 1990, in 1996. Have no fear when men call me Christ on earth, for I am he. Pope Benedict in 2008. You need not go to Christ for salvation. Come to me. Pope Francis in 2016. Christ made himself sin, made himself the devil. That's new. For our salvation. Only the church and its magisterium can claim holy infallibility. Have you had enough? I know I have. Well, is it any wonder that such an power-obsessed, megalomaniac religion makes itself unaccountable, sees nothing with its crimes, and uses the image and words of Christ himself to delude and soak its millions of dupe followers to believe that a bit of a communion wafer, or a papal blessing, or the right amount of cash delivered into church coffers will buy their way into heaven? As if one can. Well, unfortunately, I saw it for myself when I was last in Rome in 2011. Right there in the Vatican Museum, a display board for buying indulgences just like out of Martin Luther's day. Special papal blessings cost you only 150 euros. The more you spend, the closer you get to heaven. Although, be warned, apparently, according to the sign, apparently God prefers credit cards to cash. How right when Pope Leo in 1520 said this myth of christ has served us well well the most dangerous group in the world is a super wealthy cult that sees itself as god superior to everyone and therefore justified in doing whatever is needed to protect itself and rule the world a cult in other words like the church of rome what other what other being than a cult can operate according to a criminal policy like crimen solicitanus which has been binding on all Catholics since the year 1929. That policy states that whenever a child is raped or otherwise harmed by a priest, the police are not to be told, the victim is to be silenced, and if anyone speaks of this, they are excommunicated, thrown into hell for snitching on a rapist. Clearly, the God of Rome, like the Mafia, cannot tolerate a snitch. better instead to operate under a global criminal conspiracy, To aid and abet child rapists and killers than to cost the church a lawsuit or save a child's life? Heaven forbid. And yet, despite all of this criminal arrangement, the world keeps wondering why there's so much child rape within the Church of Rome. Are we all that blind? Do we really think a lion isn't going to eat a gazelle? Well, John Acton, a British politician, said, Absolute power corrupts absolutely. He was referring to the Church of Rome when he made that statement, something conveniently left out of the history books. The Church of Rome is absolutely corrupt, but it also corrupts whoever is near to it, like all who attend it, who who fund it, who associate with it, or rent its halls, or smile on its policies, or look the other way at all its public relations gestures. All who do so partake in that corruption. And under the law of God and mankind, those human accessories are equally guilty of all its crimes. The only good that can be said to come out of this most violent, corrupt, and anti-Christ body in history is how its evil awakens people to the need for a return to the simple words, witness, and spirit of Jesus himself, a spirit that has always been the chief adversary of the Church of Rome. Jesus founded a community of called-out people, a remnant not of this world, a congregation, not a church. Nowhere did Jesus speak of popes, of bishops, of rituals and ceremonies by which someone would mediate him and God to others. He said that the kingdom of heaven lay inside each of us not outside in a communion wafer or a religious ritual. That inner kingdom of Christ alone is the guide of all true Christians who must come out from and be separate from all these vile, false and violent churches that deny God in practice and kill children in practice. And that's the task of any deluded soul still caught in the fatal grip of Rome and its blasphemous illusions and depravities. As America's Founding Fathers said, we hold this truth to be self-evident. And one of those men, the second U.S. President, John Adams, said, A free government and the Roman Catholic religion can never exist together in any nation or country. Liberty and popery are opposed. The nature of an ancient corporate evil like the Church of Rome does not change over time. It simply alters its appearance because it comes out of the dark ruler of this world, the one whom Jesus said, He is a lie from the beginning, for he is the father of lies Satan. It's a good thing to free ourselves from a lie as huge as Roman Catholicism and as criminal. As free-born men and women, we are made for the truth, and when we recognize it, our hearts and our minds breathe freely and we return to our natural sense of liberty and independence. From that place of freedom, we are empowered to take action to stop criminals in every high place, whether they be popes or presidents or prime ministers. For we, the people, are the source of all sovereignty, of government, of law, and of religion. We can and must stop and arrest and confine child-raping priests when the police and courts refuse to do so. We can and must shut down the churches that traffic children and have hidden their crimes over centuries, like the Catholic Church, the Anglican Church of England, the United Church of Canada, all of these criminal bodies. For the life of one child is more sacred than all the fanfare and rituals of any church anywhere. Well, Jesus had his own prescription for child killers. He said... Whoever would harm one of these innocent ones should have a millstone placed around his neck and be thrown into the sea. Well, I wonder what Jesus would say about an entire institution that mocks God, murders with impunity, rapes and murders children and protects those who do so. Is there a millstone that is big enough to sink such an institution? Yes, there is. It is we the people. I thank you. And we're back. We're back. You know, listening to that, uh, it's never abstract for me. I've seen too many friends die at the hands of that institution. I've learned too much. And one of the things that comes with knowledge is a burden, burden of responsibility, the need to share it. You cannot go back to your old life anymore. And I know a lot of you have reached that point. It happened in a different way. It happens in a different way for all of us. The COVID state is forcing the truth upon us now, really forcing the truth of what we've always been part of. And I always like to use the example of, and I give you a time when I did this. It was at one of our Republic assemblies in Duncan, which is a community in Vancouver Island near one of the death camps in the NIMCO Indian Hospital, where many children were tortured to death in drug experiments. And I remember getting up in the summer of 2020 and I said to people, you know, in this town for many years, you couldn't go to a movie theater or buy groceries without a special pass. And if the government wanted to shove a needle in your child's arm and you said, no, they'd put you in jail. And they were looking at me like, what? In Duncan? They're all looking confused. And I said, well, of course, that only happened if you're an Indian. And there was this look of relief on their faces. These were all, quote, white people. And they said, oh, you mean it was them, not us? It was that, oh, that kind of two standards, almost like, well, yeah, we know that stuff happened to the, na- the Indians, but as long as it doesn't happen to us, well, the point is it is happening to all of us now. It's been the law in Canada since 1874 that you can't refuse a shot in the arm if you're living on a reservation or you go to jail. And I had in Port Alberni when, when I was a minister, the number of Native women would come to me all the time and say, they've taken our kids again. Working in the downtown east side in Vancouver, they'd always be telling me this. The government came and grabbed our kids again. We don't know where they are because Native people are not citizens under the law in Canada. Under the Indian Act, they're a ward of the state. They're like a non-citizen. That's an old Catholic idea going back centuries. If you weren't a Catholic, you weren't a human being. And my Huguenot ancestors in France, the name Annette, it's French originally, We had to get out of there because we were Huguenot French Protestants, and we didn't have the right to leave either. We had to flee to England and eventually to Canada to survive, literally, under the same genocidal system. So it's blowing back on us now, folks. And now we have to learn from our brothers and sisters who have been through this. But, of course, a lot of Native people, especially in Canada, they don't trust us. Why the hell should they? They trusted me when they saw how my life was destroyed by by my own culture. I remember uh, my friend, Collier Clark, a civil rights veteran in New York, she once said to me that she had talked to Malcolm X, and Malcolm X said, the only white man I'd ever trust is John Brown, because he took up arms against his own people for for those of another race, for slaves, and he paid the ultimate price, fighting his own people. Collier said, you're like that, Kevin, in your culture, and there has to be more people like you, otherwise things aren't going to change. Now, I had the advantage of losing everything, so I had no choice. You know, when we have options, we don't take those steps often, especially when you have children. You can use them as an excuse for being cowardly. But I didn't have options. So I had the advantage of, well, I had nothing left to do but keep going. And you can see the miracle cause when a few people decide to do that and never give up. But that happens only once you recognize that you're – a target now as well. We are all targets. We all have the crosshairs on our back. We can all be taken out at any point. And if the native people are going to unite with us, it has to be on the basis of equality and us willing to risk as much as they risk every day. You know, you know the story of William Coombs, who he was murdered in St. Paul's Hospital, arsenic poisoning, according to his nurse Chloe Kirker, because he went public with what he saw Queen Elizabeth taking those children from Kamloops Catholic School, never seen again. He goes public, he's killed by lethal injection. How can we be part of a culture that does that? How can you even buy something off the shelf? Well, I couldn't anymore. And that's one of the things that motivated me to set up the republic. We cannot morally or lawfully be part of this system anymore, whether it's in Canada or any country in the world. And people are saying, okay, yeah, that's fine. I don't agree with it, but where is the alternative? Well, we're creating the alternative now. That's the reality. So people don't have that excuse anymore. You can't be a bystander anymore. There's an alternative. You just have to assert your natural sovereignty. And look, nobody has an answer, easy answer. We learn as we go in this. But we've accumulated enough experience so that you don't have to go through a lot of these things. You can leapfrog through a lot of this stuff and take out citizenship now and take action. One of the first things to do if you're in Canada is join us July 24th to 30th in the Stop the Pope campaign. Arrest Bergoglio. He belongs in jail, as does Justin Trudeau, who was also convicted in that January 15th case. The International Common Law Court of Justice. You can see everything at MurderByDecree.com. Go to ITCCS Updates, January 15th heading. All the warrants are there. And the warrant to arrest Bergoglio was going to be a very soon on the same side. Now, we do this together, and this is the point of this program And here's the thing. In the assemblies and the cell groups I work with now, in Canada and all over the world, people are not sharing an urgency. It's kind of the dabble and babble syndrome, I call it. People dabble in issues safely, and then they go back to their old life and think they have the time to babble about an issue and dabble in it. Well, no. Our backs are to the wall. It's interesting, that song right at the very beginning of the show uh, I don't know if you remember, but right at the, the end after they sang, Amanda Palmer, one of the singers, said, um, how much time do we have? <laughs> well, it was almost like, yeah, that's the issue, folks. How much time do we have? Not a hell of a lot. As a matter of fact, the time is rapidly running out. So this is a, not a panic. We can't respond in panic, ever, because that shut this down our minds and our higher self. We have to respond with a resolve, as when a best friend of yours gets killed, And I've been in those situations where I've seen Native people killed, and the other Native people don't run away in fear. They say, okay, if I'm next, then I'm going to use every moment of my remaining days to fight these bastards and to get vengeance and justice for my fallen friends. I need all of you to be in that state of mind, because if you're not, this is not going to happen, and they're going to win. You know, whether the sun comes up tomorrow depends on goodwill. That's all that stands between us and the devil. But goodwill combined with good action, because faith without works is death. Where did I read that? Anyway, the uh, letter to James, actually, um, in the New Testament. Well, we have about 10 minutes left, and I want to touch on a few other things. I won't go over stuff that I said in that uh, Oxford lecture, but I do want to urge you to get this book, Dethroning a Rogue Power, because it has a lot of the sources for this stuff. For example, something that's very relevant to the kind of situation we're dealing with in the world today is when you look at the origin of the Vatican, it's actually been overthrown three times in history. In 1529, the German Emperor, the so-called Holy Roman Emperor, sacked Rome and deposed the Pope. In 1796, Napoleon Bonaparte did as well. And uh, in 1870, this was the good one, uh, Giuseppe Garibaldi, I don't know if you've heard of Garibaldi, he was like the George Washington of Italy he rallied the Italians to overthrow not only the Bourbon monarchy, but the Pope. He went in and deposed the papal states. This was the whole area around Rome. And um, he abolished the papacy. Now, there was no Vatican between the year 1870 and 1929. But guess who restored it? The fascist dictator Mussolini. Remember that Pope uh, who said that fascism is the Catholic social doctrine made law in government? That's exactly right. Fascism was really based on Catholic social doctrine that said you have one authority. What corporatocracy evolved from, or fascism, is when you get a lot of big money and they fuse with a super state. And so there's one overarching authority and they abolish all democracy, they abolish all separate existence. So imagine it like a huge pyramid, everyone's vertically oriented to one authority. That's been the model of the Vatican power system ever since the beginning as a continuation of the Roman Empire. So fascism was created by the Vatican and carried on today in the corporatocracy. That's why the Vatican is at the heart of all of these machinations in the world today. And financially, about three-quarters of the money goes through the Vatican Bank and the Bank of International Settlements in Geneva. And all of that money now is going east to Beijing. It's On a, on a side note, well, not really a side note, but not directly pertinent today. to today, the war in the Ukraine... Between Russia and America is a last gasp. It's an act of desperation by America and its NATO allies to take out Russia because America and that system is going down. 50 years ago, America controlled one half of the world's gross domestic product. Now they control 12%. It's going down the toilet. And they know that, and as all empires do, and an act of desperation, they strike out at the less powerful of their adversaries. And in this case, it's Russia. They want to take Russia out to break up the Russia-China corporatocracy bloc that's the rising power in the world. Three-quarters of all the new economic growth is in the Indo-Pacific area, controlled by China India, Southeast Asia, Middle East, China. That's where the economy of the world is based now. So the old model of European, North American-based, you know global economy, that's gone. It's dying. And America's last desperation is to try to stop Russia. Well, they're going to fail, of course. Um, And the three power blocks in the world that George Orwell predicted, 1984, it's happening as we speak. Well, we in the Republic Alliance have formed to say there's an alternative for humanity. You don't have to join one of those power blocks. You have to secede from your own corporate fiction called a government because all governments now work for the corporatocracy. Just look at the common response of politicians. Uh, telling everyone that they've got to get the shot. They're all office boys and paid agents of big pharma. We all know that now. The answer for humanity is to separate and to create a new system of sovereign republics. We've got to hammer that point home with everybody who keeps having the illusion that, you know, we can have reforms and work it out and have rallies and protests. That's obsolete. Those methods are obsolete. All a rally does is identify who you are to the adversary. Okay. All petitions do is say, hi, here we are, here are the names. All individual applications to secede from the system, it doesn't work individually. You need a republic, you need common law assemblies with their own jurisdiction passing your own laws. That's what we're about, and this is the urgency of what we're doing. So I hope you take this show today, post it, and circulate it. We have translators now in six languages, in English, French, Italian, Dutch, Spanish, and German. and. All of our material, translated material, will be up online, republicofkanata.org, under Breaking News, murderbydecree.com, under ITCCS Updates, and uh, you'll see all the postings are on different dates. This is the, the time now, and we've given you the tools. There's no excuse for apathy anymore. So I hope you all take this to heart. Write to us, Canada at uh, gmail.com, or Republic National Council at ProtonMail.com. And I really urge you to get those three books especially, Dethroning a Rogue Power, Establishing Liberty, The Case for Kanata, and Memoirs of a Revolutionary. It kind of lays out the entire basis of what we're doing. And, of course, our common law training manual, which we now send to you free as a PDF. If you have an assembly you're organizing, we'll send you the book for free. Uh, we're not here to make money out of this The money will follow, the power will follow, the guns will follow when we do the right thing. That's what happens when you create a new system. You deflate their balloon and build up your own. That's going to be our energy now. And uh, on a final note, again, to remind you that if you want to be a delegate or an observer at the Republic uh, Alliance Convention, International Convention, July 1st to 4th, write to Republic National Council at ProtonMail.com, and it will happen. But most importantly, you will make it happen in your communities. When you help us, for example, in Canada, confront and arrest Jorge Bogolio, and the blasphemy, and there's no words for the filth on that institution and the people it owns, including Justin Trudeau, another Jesuit-educated, mind control prime minister like his father. Previous show, we talked about his programming at the Hollywood Hospital as a child outside Vancouver. We're at the same place. Margaret Trudeau, his mother, was programmed. All of that, all the evidence, uh, go on our previous programs, bbsradio.com slash stand. You can listen to all of it. It's a great education to go and listen to our archive programs, and I really urge all of you to do it. Uh, Finally, on another note, we are uh, urging people to volunteer for all of these positions. Kamala Sheriff, Republic Delegates, You can you uh, we'll get special training for that. So, again, if you want to do more than just citizenship, let us know. We can get you into one of our Republic training schools that train the officials of the new Republic. So, on that note, I've got a few minutes left. I'm not going to do what I used to do from the pulpit and try to tell jokes, because they tended to fall over on like lead balloons. But I do want you to uh, remember always that the thing that keeps us alive is the part of the brain they find harder con- to control with their electronic technology and electronic weapons. And that's not the analytical side, which is the side that iPads and this technology is orienting you to become. It's the compassionate other side of the brain where music and laughter and Im- inspiration and imagination reside. Those are the areas we can't, they can't control as easily. And that's why in our meetings, always start with music. Always start with a meal. Have that basic human interaction. Most importantly, get out on Mother Earth. Get away from the electronics of the city. Get back onto the ground in nature. I go out and work in the garden. I'm part of a community garden system where we're planting vegetables nowadays. It's restorative. All of your anxieties are given up to Mother Earth. And you see some quite amazing things. Just today, a final note. There's a family of cats living under the house. And they do what cats do and there's been a whole new litter of little kittens and they're wandering around outside and these kittens have an amazing curiosity and playfulness. All creatures are playful and curious. And they love to interact with the world, and so do little children, but not when they're stuck in front of the iPads. That's those machines, they're weapons, those are electronic weapons designed to wipe out the human race and turn us into all thinking analytical machine components. We're all contributing to that the more we're on the Internet. Get off the Internet. Get back to Mother Earth. We don't do a lot of our work on the Internet. It's offline now, directly in the community. And that's the lesson that the little kittens today reminded me of. And go out and play. It's been years, I bet, since you've had fun with others. Go do it. It's how you stay human. And if we don't stay human, there's not going to be a republic. We might as well all become part of the machine, the Borgs, like in Star Trek. who are all plugged into the machine. That is the agenda of the corporatocracy, to wipe out Homo sapiens and create Homo machina, machine man. We're not going to let them do that. We will go down fighting. If we're to die, we will die as free men and women. That is our resolve. And once you've lost your fear of death, you're unconquerable. Even when they kill you, your spirit lives on and fills others. So take that message to heart, brothers and sisters. Write to us, Republic National Council, at ProtonMail.com. Do not wait. Take the material you see online, RepublicOfCanada.org, MurderByDecree.com, and act on it in your community. Do not wait. It's up to each one of us. Now, in that note, we're going to end on a really great song by Hazel Dickens. She lived in West Virginia. Uh, worked with the coal miners there, and she's going to sing a song called They Can Never Keep Us Down. It was written for the union miners who were struggling against enormous odds to bring a union into the mines to stop child labor and defend their rights. But this is an inspiration for all of us. Stay strong, stay clear. My brothers and sisters, we'll do it. We'll be back next week. Thank you.